What's going on, everybody? Did you know you're an average of the five closest people to you? Yes, you're an average of those five. One of the hardest things to do at the beginning is to get around like-minded people, people that want to see you win, people that are also winning, mixing with them, exchanging information. Well, we just changed the game, introducing the daily meetup, where we meet up every single day, Monday to Friday, for an hour. We're going to talk about your goals. We're going to talk about accountability. We're going to hold everybody accountable. We're also doing a book club. We're going to be reading the same book. Imagine reading the same book with everybody, knowing the same chapters, knowing what's going on. Go to the dailymeetup.com. Again, that's the dailymeetup.com. You can try it for a dollar, right? Just a dollar. Come join us for a week. If you don't like it, you leave. If you like it, you stay. You're more than likely going to stay because you got to be around the right people. So I'll see you on the other side. Go to the dailymeetup.com and join us. Let's go. You're listening to the Team Top Figure Podcast. Your one-stop shop for entrepreneurship, lifestyle, and motivation. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Top Figure Podcast. This is episode number 41. Yep. Yeah, and today we have my good friend here, Lewis. Uh, we went to high school together, but Lewis has actually done something really incredible, right? He went to an Ivy League school, and he also got his dream job at Facebook while starting his own company on the side. So what we're going to talk about today is how he was able to get into an Ivy League school, how he was able to get his dream job and still pursue his entrepreneurship journey, right? In this podcast, we talk about entrepreneurship and we talk about how you can do it at any level. And he's really going to talk about today how he did it. You know, we went to high school together. He's been crushing it. He also worked at eBay. He also worked at Facebook as an intern. So all this happened while he still had his entrepreneurship spirit. So Lewis, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you, my brother. Yo, 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 what's up, Wisdom? What's up, Sal? Thank you for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it, man. I'm excited to get talking on all the experiences that I had and mm -hmm. share it with all the viewers and the listeners on the podcast. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Perfect. So let's get right into it, right? Um, we started at high school. Let, 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 let's get into, like, back into high school, right? Um, we both went to the same high school together, and we're actually in the same. Go Highlanders. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, shout out to Columbia Heights. Um, but in high school is when you actually started pursuing, you know, taking taking high school kind of serious, right? Because you got into an Ivy League school, which is very hard. What's the acceptance rate at Princeton again? It's very low. I think it probably is like three to four percent now, like, maybe lower. It's I, I don't know what it is now. It, yeah, it's a very crazy uh, low number. And the high school we went to, we didn't go to like a private school. It wasn't like it wasn't like the. It wasn't nothing crazy. It was like a, it was a normal high school. And for you to be able to go from there and making it to Princeton, it was a big deal. So let's get into that transition, you know, for the people that are listening, that are about to start applying for colleges, right? That are about to, you know, get their college journey going. And a lot of them want to get into like Harvard, Princeton, Yale, right? So let's break that whole journey down. How would something like that work? Let's start there. Yeah. So one key thing along my journey to go to college is I had a lot of help. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably been one of the distinctions in my journey mm -hmm. that's helped me succeed in not just college, but anything that I put my mind into. I find help, right? Um, when I was, I think 15, yeah, sophomore in high school, I started thinking about how you know, how can I get to the next level? For me, 
I always shoot for the stars, you know. I always want the best. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to figure out how to get to Ivy League because remember back when we went to high school, I don't think anyone, like we hadn't heard of anyone go to a big school. No. And especially like, I remember there's, there was a, our high school wasn't like horrible, you know? Yeah. We, we went to Columbia Heights, probably like lower, lower tier, but not like mm-hmm. the worst. Not, you know, it was a pretty safe school. We had good teachers, AP classes, some AP classes. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out, you know, what I could get outside of that. Um, College Possible, you guys remember that? College Possible is yeah. a program here mm-hmm. in, in Minnesota. In Minnesota yeah. helps Minnesota. kids uh, from low-income backgrounds go into college generally first-generation college students. Mm-hmm. And I met one of my key mentors there. Her name is Anna Wilson. Shout out Anna if she's Shout watching this. Mm-hmm. She basically gave me the confidence to go for this goal because in my mind at that point, um, I was the only one that knew. And I was the only one that was working towards it. You know, I didn't have any champions on my side. So she really let me understand that it was possible. Mm-hmm. And I applied to a program. It's called Lita. Shout out Lita too. Mm. which took me to Princeton for eight weeks when I was a junior. And it was really? basically like an Ivy League boot camp. It helped you apply to the best schools. Uh, from It was like 60 kids across the nation mm. for one summer. And out of those 60 kids, I believe more than half got into Ivy Leagues. Wow, wow, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, hold on. You just dropped a big gem right there. Okay, so number one, if they're in high school right now, they got to try to apply to that leader, right? Yeah, Lita is available for students who are in public schools. Okay. Um, they generally accept first-generation low-income students okay. into the program. I believe it's up to 100 per summer now. It's L-E-D-A, Lita. And, yeah, it's it's basically a boot camp that tries to get the most promising students from disadvantaged backgrounds to mm-hmm. apply to these uh, schools. So that's where I met some of my best friends um, to this day okay. in that program. We still talk a lot. I actually live with one in Miami. We're roommates. But that program really gave me the insider knowledge um, to these schools. It let me understand what the process is like because it's not just a random, like, shot in the dark. Mm -hmm. It's a whole process, different steps you have to take, different uh, perceptions that you have to present. Mm -hmm. So before... Before I got in there, I just had a dream, right? And I I knew I had to get good grades, which, like, that was the easy part, let's say. You know, getting good grades was easy. But that's not going to get you into a good school. You need to have uh, certain aspects of your application that define you as a student who's prepared to succeed in Mm -hmm. that environment. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you have to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. That's yep. that's huge. Um, that's what shout we shout out to these uh, discipline, discipline over, over motivation. motivation. Yeah. <laughs> because um, the reason why we talk about discipline so much is too often, right? We look at continuous motivation, right? Motivation is going to last for only so long, what, maybe one hour, two hour max. But discipline is really what makes you keep going every single day doing the same thing. So when I was talking to you and you were actually um, uh, uh Pass forward a little bit. When you were actually in school, you were studying, if I'm correct, you were studying from like, what, two, 1 p.m. to like 10 p.m. every day? It was more than that, man. It really? Was, I had my, my typical schedule. I'd wake up for class around like 9 because I had class at 10. That's you usually were dedicated. my earliest class. So yeah. that's crazy discipline. I let that. Guys, I want you guys to really let this sink in. You were waking up from 9 a.m. all the way to 10 p.m. every single day of just, just working. working. Just school. Like... 
it was my schedule was I go to class from like 10 to 12 eat and then from like 12 let's say I had a break a little bit usually I had like two more classes and I would end around like three or two depending on what day it was sometimes I had later classes five and then in between there you'd have to study you have to be doing any mm-hmm. homework that you can and then once you hit like in the evening you'd mm-hmm. go to the library you'd stay there until dark <laughs> until basically you you convince yourself that you've done enough for the day man and it was every single day <laughs> monday saturdays same thing sundays there's there's no no days off in no terms of school off. and that's just school um that's not Preparing accounting for anything job. yeah it's not like you know working on your resume um trying to network to get internships trying okay. to do like side projects so that you could put that on your resume so that wow. you can land a good internship so that's Oof. doesn't include like clubs as well like you got to do all these little clubs to put on your resume as well and then you know it's also college so you have to have a good time right you have to find space for your friends like you're gonna go crazy if all (laughs) you do is just like work 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 and you don't socialize um and also those relationships are very important long term Mm -hmm. short term as well but it's all done within that short time span in a day and you pretty much get home you're tired and you go to bed and you start over so let's talk about like the main thing which is the relationships that you mentioned who were the so you you mentioned one person in high school school, like what were the people that really you think that when you network with that got you to where you're at today because that's one of the most important things networking is your network is your net worth right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who would you say is like those people that really helped you get to that next level yeah so from high school from mm-hmm. high school yeah from high school um i say from high school it was like i mentioned my mentor in college possible there were some teachers that would um push me but i'd say like back in the day like in terms of students that went there like i say my sister my sister i, I had competition with my sister my sister mm. was a straight a student and i always wanted to you know be her and do <laughs> be better her. than her so that was my motivation too um, I'd say like, but it was, it was hard in high school cause we didn't really have examples. Yeah. Um, and it. at that time, like you and I were kind of friends, but I think we still weren't like, neither of us really had something that we were committed, like full, f- mm-hmm. I'd say maybe not that we weren't committed, but we also were high schoolers. We're I high guess schoolers. we, we yeah. didn't really know what was coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say in college though, it was different. Um, people who motivated me definitely like friends I remember one, one of my good friends E-Man was also an entrepreneur also works at McKinsey one of the best companies in the world mm-hmm. um, he, he had he has two older brothers and they both went to MIT um, so, so he, he had the example right right so he had he knew what was going on and I remember we got to college and I was like yo like we gotta get good grades we gotta get good grades like college and then he was kind of with it but then i realized that he was working on on getting internships right from the start he was trying to secure an internships from the like first day we landed at at princeton and i didn't know that i didn't really know what internships were like what it meant um but he knew because his older brothers had already gone through the process process. i think they were work they worked at like boeing facebook um top companies you know that they interned at so the competition then turned to like not who could get the best grades but who could land the best internship right mm-hmm. and this is where discipline and motivation come in because when i was a freshman he got an internship at pinterest right off his his first freshman year right that's big yeah. right <laughs> i didn't get a top tier internship freshman year 
Okay. I did, but did you have an internship freshman year? I had an internship freshman year, but it was at a nonprofit. It was it was actually a great experience. We can go into that a little bit more. It was back I went to Ecuador, so okay. it helped me build on my dream that like now I'm working on, but it wasn't let's say like a big achievement. A, yeah, big brand like that I I really wanted. So I felt I I definitely felt down at that point after freshman year. I was like, man, like, you know, <laughs> And it wasn't just him who got a top internship because there's all these other kids who like go to Goldman Sachs, who go to Facebook, as who a goes freshman. To, as a freshman, who go. It's a very few select people, but like, you know, you know how how it goes nowadays. Like, if someone does something, you see it on social media, you see it on LinkedIn, you see it yeah. everywhere, so you're aware of, of what's flex. going on, right? The flex, the flex, <laughs> right? So, I knew though that. You know, I wasn't just gonna be like, all right, I screw it. Like, I don't have an internship for the summer. I'm just going to like chill out, go get a job, go work. Now I had to get something on my resume, something important that mm-hmm. like built the narrative that I was presenting. Okay. So I was able to get some experience in entrepreneurship, helping out entrepreneurs back in my home country. I was able to get experience in like marketing, different, different skills you can say that I could present um, later that year. But then that next year, sophomore year, mm-hmm. that's when I landed my internship at Facebook. So that's go. what, that's what like, changed immediately after after getting that spot but it i didn't get it right away so mm-hmm. like my friend really there to answer your question going back full circle he's the one that pushed me okay um and he didn't say like yo like you need to like you know you need to do this you need to do it that it was more I indirect kinda, it was a bit of ego because i was like man like you know i can't let <laughs> let him flex on me like that like i gotta get my, my stuff in, in check too yeah so you're pretty competitive that's one thing i noticed like you're when you're talking you're you're saying like these people really just inspired you your sister your friend like Competition is important to you. How important is that to really just have like an a person that really can look up to, to push and motivate you? That's a that's really a big part of your life. Would you say? Like yeah, where you yeah. Can... I mean, for sure. I think like you guys are definitely one example of that as well because we're in similar paths, but also different. Like you guys mm-hmm. have been full time entrepreneurs. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know how many years now. How many yeah. years is it? We three, never <laughs> three years now, I think. Three almost four years yeah. now. Never yeah. were jobs. Never huh? <laughs> we yeah, we had jobs to start off, but then we would always just like realize like, hey, let's go fully into what yeah. we, exactly. we believe in. But the thing is though, I don't advise that to everybody. Yeah. Here's yeah, why. Exactly. Here's it's not why, for everybody. Right? Yeah. Here's why. And I'm kinda tired of the internet per se like downplaying nine to five and all these things that's why we really wanted you on this episode to talk about the importance of having a job to fuel your business you still have your business right now that's thriving that's crushing Mm -hmm. it right Mm -hmm. there's people on the internet now that's just downplaying everybody that has nine to five Mm-hmm. Knowing the average entrepreneur makes thirty thousand a year, so That's a lot facts, of them man. on the internet are lying, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of them are lying, mm-hmm. and they're trying to uh, flex on people with jobs. When in actuality, your job is actually what fuels your business until the moment you're making three times what your job is, then you could quit, right? Plus, another big thing, and I know you can relate to this, is having building value is one of the most undervalued and slept on things people think of. So when you are in a job. You are creating value for a business, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have that skill set of doing building value for either a mentor or a, another company, you can't do that for your own <laughs> your journey own or your own mm-hmm. self, you know? Exactly. So people think that you need to just like, you know, just quit a job, go do something without like having a, any sort of discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without yeah. having any sort of discipline. discipline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a trade-off and a middle ground, mm-hmm. and a spectrum of which you lie on. And I... I I agree partially, but also disagree because mm-hmm. one thing is when you have a job, mm-hmm. like 
your energy gets sucked up mm-hmm, and your, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. your your day gets sucked up because jobs happen nine to five, that's eight true. to four, mm-hmm. seven to three. Mm-hmm. And that's at least like a third of your day, maybe two thirds of your day. Who knows what mm-hmm. time we're going to bed, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I've struggled with is being able to consistently work on this, like on the side, right? Because there's days that, you know, I work, then I go to the gym or play some soccer. Mm-hmm. By the time I get done, it's like six, maybe seven. Got to eat all that stuff. Got to handle like logistical, you know, text my mom, mm-hmm. do little things. And it's like seven, six o'clock. And I'm like, damn, now I had to put in like another three hours, mm-hmm. at least four hours to get this thing going. Mm-hmm. And it it's annoying because then the job forces you, it to become a second priority. Mm-hmm. Your job becomes your first priority right true yeah so you aren't able to fully dedicate it uh, until like you know that becomes your first priority so i understand Mm -hmm. though the proposition of like i'm obviously in a different situation though as well as as the next guy right exactly you you aren't like if you like have a a job and you don't have any sort of skill set in the business world yeah. like you probably shouldn't quit your job <laughs> you should you know? definitely not quit your job. <laughs> you probably shouldn't quit your job if you if you've never if you never built a website if you've never managed a social media account if you've never uh, run ads like mm-hmm. and to add on to that right because he, he, here's the issue right unless like you have lots of money saved then you can go all in but the issue is there's a lot of people that are starting with just like 500 bucks and then they expect money to come in right away right. with a lot of businesses you're not going to make money like that your first couple of months mm-hmm. it's you know you're going to lose money you got to invest money you yeah, got to learning learning a lot of software. things happen you know and that's right. why i always say at least have a part-time job that's bringing in income to where you can fuel your business right. or a side hustle right. or whatever or it is yeah whatever yeah. it is but you need a guaranteed income at the starting stage because it's an infant right it's a baby yeah, the yeah. beginning it's going to take a lot of money a lot of attention to grow mm-hmm. it but eventually it's going to be at a place where it's going to sustain itself right so let's not get uh, too off track let's get back into the actual all right so pretty much from high school lita lita was um the culminating pro- factor yeah that was a big factor all right guys um if you're listening to this go apply to lita anyone can apply right you have to be uh, underprivileged in, uh, in, in a public school. Okay, that's, that's number one. That's and number then one. they look at your income. So you have to be, um, you have to be low income, pretty low. much. Like if you if you are coming from middle class family, like okay, you can't apply to Lita. Um, and that that's that's the two things that they really look at your income, okay. and then if you're at public school because it's really meant to help get disadvantaged students because at elite schools mm-hmm. like I'm sure you guys have heard of the fact that like the one percent yeah you know like that's where they send their kids and it's true like I think at least like half or thirty to fifty percent of that school comes from like Whoa. the top one to ten percent of the wealthiest americans and maybe even more than 30 or 50 but i know the one percent represents a very yeah don't quote me on those numbers but it represents a significant amount of the population so lita is on a mission to help um change change that narrative bridge that gap wow who on paper like for me you know i had good um good grades my act was a little whack um so i'd say like they took a chance in that aspect Mm -hmm. um and a lot of because act standardized tests like we can go on a whole tangent on that but Mm -hmm. they're they're rigged right they're rigged for certain people act yeah exactly so a lot of uh kids just like can't get into that door because there's certain things that as you're 
you know, going through high school, you don't know what to do. You don't know to take like all these AP classes. You don't know that you have to work on your resume. You don't know that, you know, mm -hmm. you have to start writing these essays. These like I wrote, man, when I was applying to college, I wrote like 20 essays applying to like, 10 schools. It Whoa. was, it was, it was a lot of writing. So, and wealthy parents, don't they just hire like someone specifically for that? Tutors. Like a tutor yeah, or like a consultant. Tutors for ACT, mm -hmm. consultants yeah. for your essays, like peer reviewers to get that stuff looking good for you so if you don't have those resources then it's going to be a lot more difficult for you to get into these schools mm -hmm. that's wow. true yeah i know that's it's crazy. crazy how this the, it's stacked against you but it's like really like use There's that as a way. chip on your shoulder mm -hmm. to really just you know and you're a prime example of really just coming from rags to really, you really just did it you went through the entire thing and it's really possible super so, important super important okay so after they applied to lead okay now let's move on so you're in you got in you're in college now like what are you seeing at this Ivy school? Cause it's not like it's not like the U of M or like your regular school. So like, yeah. what, what's the whole experience? Like? Yeah, yeah. So and then we're gonna talk about something very interesting. There's a show that came out on Netflix. We're gonna get into that. But like, let, yeah, when so, you're in, man. One one of the things that I remember very precisely that was different when I got to college is Canada Goose. You guys remember? You yeah. guys know Canada Goose oh by now. <laughs> back, back, back when I got into college. I never had heard of Canada Goose, mm -hmm. and it, it wasn't that it was that was 2016, 2015. Like it was mm -hmm. low key. Mm -hmm. I get to the school, <laughs> and all these kids are walking around with this black jacket and that red patch that red on patch. them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, what, what is what's going on here? And then I started like I, that day we had what was that yik yak yik yak we had yik yak so people would be like talking about it like making fun of it right, and you learn that culture. And basically what it is, it's a rich culture. Those jackets cost like a thousand dollars, a couple hundred, mm -hmm. right? To me at that point, I, you know, I wasn't working. I just got into college. I was working like before that, but I, obviously I wasn't about to spend that much money <laughs> on a jacket. Mm -hmm. And that like, that's what you hit first when you get in these type of environments, the rich. The rich. Mm -hmm. Like how, how much money there is in these schools. And it's it's not just like, you know, a guy with a nice car, right? No, it's like, People who've had generational wealth yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for decades who were born into this lifestyle and they literally <laughs> mm -hmm. cannot understand <laughs> what where you're coming from <laughs> or what it feels like to be poor, right? Wow, that's messed so up. It's, it's a not big like, gap. It's not like you get to college and like these kids are like, oh, like, fuck you. you. Like, oh, I'm sorry if I don't... No, you they're they're like, I don't want to hang out with you because you're poor, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just there's no common ground for you guys to interact. So it's very difficult off the bat, like... One of the things that was weird was the social environment because on top of that, they had brothers, cousins, or other people who had gone into that school. Mm -hmm. So they knew, like, kind of what to expect at Princeton and, like, right, right. all the different social paths that you could take. Mm -hmm. So I remember just the wealth being in my face, and I, I didn't know, like, how to how, to, how to deal with that. So mm -hmm. one of the things that I was really glad or I'm really glad about is, like, my friend group because, as I told you, I went into this program. And a bunch mm -hmm. of us got into Princeton, so had a core friend group of like people four to five people. With. So like, yeah, we could relate, and we kind of like held each other like sane. But <laughs> you one of the crazy. things that happens at these schools, though, is a lot of poor kids don't graduate in four years. They they wow. take longer to graduate. In the worst case, they drop out, really? and it's because like they get to this environment and then they feel siloed. Yeah. Like they feel like alone. They can't understand it, and then on top of that all this work is just like 
the brutal. most difficult work that you've ever you've ever done all right. the school work is is <laughs> difficult so you're you're getting you're taking l's on the school work <laughs> and, and then you're taking l's on your social, social life, life. Yep. and then people looking you know, at you weird. you're not with your family so like you're taking l's there so mm-hmm. It's it's it can come down and really it crush a lot of people, yeah. And mm-hmm. a lot of people got crushed. I know a lot of people, unfortunately, they had to take um, one year, two years off um, because they either had something going on in the family, mm-hmm. you know, that they can't just throw money away to fix it. They had to go right. back and help. Yeah. Dang, um, and yeah, like if you if you're able to make it out in four years, like that, you just had to be on it and. Different. Mentally, mentally, and fit. just like as, as a poor your kid, focus. right? As a poor kid, you you had to be really, really, really on it because if wow. you slipped up, like there was just five other kids waiting, waiting, <laughs> waiting, waiting for, for your spot, mm-hmm. waiting for your spot. <laughs> yep. So it's really like ultimate pressure, pressure at isn't. all times. Like, yes. damn, I didn't even know it was this serious because you mentioned that, that. That's actually crazy. Like your social life's getting attacked. You're getting attacked by school. You're not with your family. These people are looking at you like. You're not wearing Canada Goose. Like, you don't got money, you know, because yeah. it's so normalized. And it's not like their fault because all they seen, they Was grew up in, wealth, yeah, they yeah. grew up in private schools. All their friends, their parents are millionaires and millionaires and everybody's wealthy. And it was a big culture shock for you, right? Yeah. So, okay, that happens. And you, how, how did you break through? Like, how did you, like, make it through? That's That yeah. seems like a lot of pressure. So part of it, I think, is, like, internal and part of it is external so internal you know i had to basically shut out all the noise mm-hmm. and you know be with my community with my friends and that's that's kind of what we did we would hang out with each other we would you know try to pull up to the parties with each other um we would be you know in that core group and keep ourselves safe and motivated um however like you can only convince yourself so far Mm-hmm. So it was really once I got an internship at Facebook that then I was like, all right, no one could tell me anything because like you're not interning at Facebook, so get out of my face if you have like this or not. If you're not, you know, like that, there's some external validation that comes with it. So I'd say like once that happened sophomore year, like and everything else just became easier because my confidence, confidence. grew 10x mm, after 10X. that. Because all, all like when you get into these schools, your biggest fear is messing it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you get to school and you're like, I got this far, and if I mess up, like it, it it's all it's all, it's all worthless because mm-hmm. you know I fought so hard just to get here. But you, the thing is, like once you get there, everyone else is a Princeton student, everyone else is an Ivy League student. So yeah. you actually you're can't say you're, you're you're average. Yeah. Amongst one of the some of the best and brightest minds at your age, so. Mm-hmm. You really need um, some sort of external validation, unless mm-hmm. you're, I don't know, some very like. And a lot focused. of them are. A lot of them were just wealthy, right? So let, let's let's talk about like. Okay, so pretty much there's a lot of people that got into the school that probably didn't deserve it, right? They got in because the, their parents were wealthy. So like, did you see any of that stuff going on? Like, how was? Because I seen something about Netflix. It was like called like I think it was called like the side door, the the, the back door. Yeah, yeah, the college <laughs> scandal. Yeah, yeah there's a with, lot with all the rich kids um, getting it. I honestly like, you know, you 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 want to believe that everyone got there on their own merit because mm-hmm. for the most part, your experiences with other students are like you can tell that these kids are bright. Mm-hmm. Like, no one in that school like is 
maybe a small percent is unaware or like just isn't smart right Mm -hmm. but the majority of kids that you interact with in class that you interact with like at dinner that you interact with in the dorms like there are bright individuals who can keep like very complex conversations going Mm -hmm. and can always tell you something that you don't know Mm. so like for the most part you're you're unaware of like okay like who got in and you actually don't really know who's who Mm. Unless you do some digging, right? Unless you go on <laughs> to social media and start seeing some things. Like, you, everyone presents itself as, like, f- just your average, like, Princeton student, right? So, I, I can't say that, like, oh, I knew, like, these guys, I like, got in because no one's going to tell tell yeah, you, tell you that, true. you know? Mm-hmm. But I'd say, like, there were definitely a lot of a group of, like, wealthy students who just didn't didn't excel in school but (laughs) still ended up at very good jobs or just like they they didn't like a lot of partying a lot of you know but their parents probably had the connection yeah yeah you you could see that like very very early on like freshman year even if they didn't get these top jobs they would be like interning at some like little bank or like some i don't know some firm that Mm -hmm. like their dad's friend or something owned yeah or some some sort of connection there, right? Or doing it inter. I've also seen international. They would go international and work mm. at like the a corporate branch in an international office because wow. they they had it like that. It was easier to to finesse that internationally. That's mm. crazy. So, you know, you you would definitely see privilege and how people got ahead just because they they were in a certain position, but it wouldn't be like straight up in your face, mm-hmm. as as you know that that documentary put it like you wouldn't know who who these kids are but I, i'm sure like they're they were in that school as well yeah it's mm. crazy man it's insane like there's a lot of and the, to relate that to the outside world a lot of people look at unfairness right they say okay hey there are certain people in this world that just get certain things because of who they are or who their parents are and it's like it dwelling on that a lot sometimes can get us really just like you know um just lose focus and lose sight of our own goals our own accomplishments and our own paths and too many people uh, you know often like listening to this podcast i want them to understand that hey you choose and dictate your own path you control your destiny it's up to you to be where you are and to end up right and granted we all don't start off at the same you know mm-hmm. uh line right but you know we all have the same goal in mind right of to reach financial freedom and and and, and financial independence but ultimately it's just making sure that you take from and figure out who is in your groups who's who are people who you can relate with that can connect you to those people and just be hungry to seek information seeking mm-hmm. information because now the playing field we believe is level with the, the amount the of internet. information and internet that's out there in this world information is in an abundance like mm-hmm. the company you work for really made it easy to be able to see like like you can make a post and you know you can it's easy like information is now we're living in information age so yeah. it's just so important to re- remember that in your mind to that, say like you know like look at you you're a kid that was that came from nothing ended up where you know accomplished his dream so that's yeah that's that's super crazy how you know everybody it's 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 a uh uh even playing field now to a certain extent right but all right so let's go on now you see everything's in college so like how did you get um how'd you get the job at like facebook yeah so man that that became easy like Mm -hmm. once i got an internship at facebook the thing is that in the job world once you get because isn't facebook's like one of the top companies to work for is everybody's Right, so when you're in an Ivy League school, what happens is like your main goal is to land a top firm 
and the way it happens is there's three industries it's like finance mm -hmm. consulting and tech, tech. Mm -hmm. those are the three industries that you want to get into and then within those industries there's, there's like, like three companies three in each industry that are the best okay. so what happens and not just in these top industries but let's say the fortune 500 mm -hmm. once you have one of these names on your resume it just gets so much easier to get your foot in the door to get another job right um so once i had facebook on my resume as mm -hmm. a sophomore okay every single place that i applied to pretty much that following year like in, were, was interested and gave me an interview mm -hmm. and i interviewed i can't remember at this point man i, I interviewed like at LinkedIn, Microsoft. Um, I already have Facebook, but at that point I was working in their like marketing department. So mm -hmm. I was working it, the place that helps companies run their ads. Yeah. That's where I learned about Facebook ads. And Shout out to ads. <laughs> yes, but I, I didn't want to be in that in that space. Mm -hmm. For me, like I I I'm I I'm interested in, in technology mm -hmm. and getting in the weeds with the technology so i wanted to be involved with like development and the product at facebook not necessarily like the marketing aspect of it so I, I wanted to make that switch and pretty much like right now like it's changed a bit where we are today but at that point like you had to be an engineer pretty much to, mm -hmm. to make to go into tech at that point so i was like man like i'm not an engineer <laughs> like you know i don't want to go back to facebook and work that job because i want to like level up and that's, then I, I ended up interning at eBay that summer as a product manager intern. And how did you get that internship? Yeah, Let's get into so. Because eBay's pretty yeah, big too. Yeah, so one of the things that I haven't talked about is like as I'm going through college, you know, I'm trying to apply to things that aren't just jobs, but also programs, fellowships, all these different um, organizations that, again, have a similar mission to LIDA, but like at the college level. So one of the organizations that I was part of is called Management Leadership for Tomorrow, MLT, um, which everyone should apply. The MLT is, is for people of color. So entrepreneurs um, or college students that are, they don't care about your income at this point. So if you're a student of color. And you're in college. And you're in college. This could be community college. Yeah, yeah, it can be community college. Yeah, wow. you. I think you apply your sophomore year. Yeah, you apply, apply your sophomore year of college. MLT. Make MLT, sure you apply. Management to this. leadership for tomorrow. Yeah. Management leadership for tomorrow. Make right. sure y'all Google that. So in this program, what they try to do, it's a boot camp to get elite internships, right? Okay. Into the Fortune 500, we we can say, which um, there's a, a lot of you know underrepresentation of people of color. Um, it's a very white world. So I applied to this program. And I already had, you know, my internship at Facebook. So I was like, man, like, okay, let me try to see what I can do. And eBay was one of the companies that MLT partnered with. And they would, what they would do is they would fly us out, like all expenses paid. I think it was like three times a year to these seminars. And they would bring all the students that were part of this group. And then it was essentially like a bunch of companies that were there. And your job was to like network Impressive. with these companies you know, your goal is to get an internship. Find you. Your goal was to get a job with them by the end of your your college career. So eBay was one of those companies that was there, and you know, I I walked into the room that eBay was in, and the director of of program management was there, and I just went up to her, gave her my resume, told her a little bit about myself, and at that point I was working on an e-commerce website. Okay. Um, we were selling like to college students. So I had some stuff on my on my resume as well, 
Mm. And then I told her what I wanted to do. I told her, hey, look, I worked at Facebook. I do this on the side. I really want to get more into product and learn about that. And right off the bat, she was really impressed with my profile. And, like, she straight up just offered me an internship right there. On like, the spot. Yeah, on the spot, you know. So you were bold. You just <laughs> Yo. went up to her. Yeah. But, 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 like, that that didn't happen by luck, though. You mm-hmm. had to go up to her and yeah. go talk with her. Yeah, you know? and I Pick had these things on my resume, too. You know, I just didn't go up with, like, nothing. Nothing like, in their ask hand. Ask her what, what are your top biggest strengths or some vague question. You know, I had my, my stuff in check. You, have your, you, you had your T's lined up. And a lot of people just won't go up to somebody and approach because of the fear. Like, yeah. oh, this person, like, she's she works at, um, she's the product manager. I can't just I have to go to her gatekeeper. You just went up to her. Like, yeah, and, and yeah. It, yeah, you have to be shameless, I think, in, in some of these spaces because, like, no one is going to give you these these things. Mm-mm. You know, you opportunities have to go don't just come. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. So you know, and honestly, like I, I didn't think of that much about it in, in the time. Like this is what I like. I love networking. Like I love going into these spaces and just yeah. like talking to people just... because I, I'm, you know, I'm confident in myself and like I generally like meeting other people and connecting. And there's always some common ground that we can find. So I was never scared to go to talk to anyone. I was always like seeking all these conversations and at the time it was just like one other conversation i didn't know what what was gonna end up from from that and honestly yeah i had the conversation she offered me internship and i I didn't i honestly didn't believe it i was like okay like (laughs) it sounded too good to be true good too good to be true and then i remember like a few weeks later i got a call from her and she was like yep like here you go here's your offer letter um i was yeah finishing up my junior year and she was like, you're going to get an apartment in, in San Jose, California. They you're paid for get, that? Yeah, all paid. She said, you're going to get, I, I remember I was getting paid the internship $50 an hour. $50 an hour <laughs> as a what? As a junior? Yeah, as a junior. Yo! That's the most money I'd, I'd made at that point in my life. You were just like, you couldn't, because you, you were thinking you were going to get like $25 an yeah, hour. Like yeah, you know, because I remember, yeah, let me just <laughs> tell you guys what I was making. So I, at Facebook, if I can recall, I was making around like eighteen or seventeen dollars an hour, or maybe it was twenty. It may have, it may have been 20. twenty. It may have been a little bit closer to twenty. I can't remember. But at that time as well, like that was great because yeah. like before that, my the last job is the job that we worked we at worked together. That we worked at Target, Target. Worked at Target together. Yeah, and I was getting paid I think like eight seventy five <laughs> an hour or something That's a big like jump. that. Yeah. So to me, I was happy, happy, very happy that I got Facebook wage. And, but then when I got to eBay, it was just like, whoa, like, you know, I, I'm making more than, than my parents. I'm making more than my sister who this is, this is graduated. Crazy. I was it's the most was, money yeah, and then in I, college, too. That's pretty good. actually. Yeah. So, you know, I I got that off of a conversation pretty much in my resume. So wow. be bold. Just go up to people. That's don't crazy. take the risk. $50 an hour. Yep. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. <laughs> a lot of people don't get $50 an hour right yeah, out of college. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, OK, that's that's good. And you, she was impressed with something you did at Princeton, an e-commerce store. Yeah, you yeah. You know, yeah, we're in the e-commerce, e-commerce space. So yeah, let's dig into that. Yeah, yeah, no. What, so, what was that about? So I told you that I learned about ads, right, mm-hmm. at Facebook. And that summer that I was interning at Facebook, I, I actually wanted to start a delivery company. And we built an e-commerce store mm-hmm. to, like, facilitate the delivery, right? Because okay. we wanted to deliver to college students on campus. And I, I didn't really understand that I was building the e-commerce store at that mm, point. Yeah. But I was running ads. And my ad <laughs> system, like, I remember I just watched a few, like, YouTube videos. And mm-hmm. I learned how to do ads. And then I just did it. And 
they gave us also a little budget at Facebook yeah. to spend on ads. So I remember that summer we it was me and my friend we made like four racks in sales um in like a month mm, doing, you were doing like this, we on to something yeah yeah we we something. Something. yeah yeah but we we didn't really understand what we were doing at that point because we were trying to build a delivery company because what i saw was that delivery was changing and at that point like we we weren't as knowledgeable in the space um we didn't know um you know how to fund the company how to continue growing mm -hmm. and it got very difficult because delivery is a big headache mm -hmm. yeah delivery is a, a logistic it's a headache it's so, crazy so we gave up on that vision but i i continued with e-commerce because i was like, okay this is very scalable like mm -hmm. this this i can do this anywhere um and you know we worked on that i started dipping my toes into uh, like alibaba mm -hmm. and selling on amazon so at that point yeah she was she's and very the, and and the i know the product you sold tell them the product this was actually it was actually a smart product yeah well, i when at that point i was selling tapestries tapestry yeah yep. tapestries think about how many college students have the tapestry up especially girls yeah. like i think almost every girl has it up in their dorm so there was a crazy demand on campus you yeah. see and you were upselling them with the little clips yeah remember yeah, the little clips yeah, you were upselling yeah. them i was like yo this, this story is gonna go crazy Yeah, because i had because the thing in amazon is there's so much competition right it's very so it's very you got a big market but a lot of competition so you have to differentiate yourself in one way or not mm -hmm. and since then i've actually been removed from the amazon space because i wanted to work more on, on the project i'm working on now mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, the value add was that you, you could just hang it up right away. Like you could just put these clips on and you could hang it up without having to like put holes in your wall or like any of this other stuff. Mm. And how did you reach so many college students? Cause you, you were reaching Princeton. There were some people from Yale, right? You were reaching yeah, all the yeah. colleges. Yeah, I mean, what was this it's just marketing, strategy? man. Like just, just marketing, just like ads. Mm -hmm. Um, you were just targeting college students. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning, we just started with Princeton. So that was very easy. Okay. Um, it was just targeting people who went to Princeton mm -hmm. and then getting building. Oh man. I, we, we had lookalike audiences with the emails, man. Yeah, we we yeah. had, we, we, were, we were doing it. That's yeah. awesome, though. But a lot of people don't really understand the power, like, the of, power of advertising, the it's ability crazy. for you to just target whoever you want to choose who to market is just crazy. And your company at Facebook just made a powerful platform. And it just changed our life, changed your life, changed all of our lives. And a whole bunch of people are all over the world. The, well, that's the thing about Facebook, right? It almost everybody on the world is like has access Facebook. to it yeah, yeah it has everybody yeah. is on it and they have exact details of like on all of us they know exactly what we search for they know what like they know what we Some like weird stuff we can predict Bro, the predictions is stuff. crazy yeah. it's really crazy and it's and it's good for us you know advertisers is good because i know exactly what you want i know exactly how to get to you i know exactly what you want at what time and all these important things so that that that's crazy that you started e-commerce store and she was impressed with that yeah mm -hmm. because you started your own thing on the side she was like oh right. okay that's that's dope guys you heard that e-commerce will change your life yeah <laughs> perfect so let's get in, let's let's move on to next so you you, you got the internship you did you finished the internship then your senior year is when you started applying to facebook so let, let's get into that yeah so again man that part was pretty easy um i at that point so i interned at ebay mm -hmm. and I, I i loved my my role my experience there but ebay is is at a different um 
point in in their trajectory mm-hmm. than Facebook. So eBay is a mature corporation. They've yeah. been around since like 1990 something. Yeah. So they've been around for more than 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. Facebook, I believe, was in 2007, eight, Five or something around yeah, there, like mid mid 2000s that yeah. that they got off. So Facebook. It's just a more uh, forward-thinking company, younger environment, just like newer, um, more like the culture is much different. eBay mm-hmm. was more corporate, like more more what you ex- like. Still tech, corporate still America. like all these perks and that you have in tech, but still more corporate. I felt more like that there was less creativity going on at eBay. You had to be more on your toes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I mean, like we see this uh, from our end too. Like you know, who who shops at eBay? You guys shop at eBay. Not anymore. Exactly. Who So they got a problem, right? They got a run. They've been jumping billions of dollars to solve this problem. They can't get it right. And I remember the interns there, like, we're like, yo, you got to do this. We we had the ideas, and, like, no one was listening to us. (laughs) So I was like, all right, like, you know, eBay's not where where I want to work at. And I was like, okay, like, I really enjoyed my experience at Facebook. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go at Facebook. I applied, interviewed, flew out to... Uh, Menlo Menlo Park, mm-hmm. um, and and then got got the got the job. Like it was it was a pretty by that point. Like my resume was was very, was, powerful. Was very powerful. I had interned at two tech companies. Mm-hmm. Um, I had you know a good. I had no. I didn't grades. I didn't even put my GPA on my resume. I had good grades, mm-hmm. but that wasn't even. That didn't like considering not just my resume, my experiences where I worked at, what I was doing on the side, like. Mm-hmm. Had a good resume, so it was very easy to land interviews for me. I interviewed again at a bunch of places senior year, um, and then I decided, yeah, Facebook is where where I wanted to be at. No, the company culture at Facebook's crazy. We actually came and yeah, visited it was you. A, yeah, yeah, bro, the village. Oh my yeah, gosh, it's, it's crazy. They give you like all you can eat, like yeah, meals. Yeah. They give you multiple restaurants. Restaurant. It was yeah. crazy. It was like a little town inside of. Yeah, uh, it's it, crazy. It's crazy. So you're working there, and you started to start your own side venture. So yeah, let's let's get into that transition right, right, and right. how like that happened. And yeah, now you're running your own e-commerce platform in Ecuador. Yeah. You know? Doing yeah, really well. So. Right. So, basically, like at that point, I was graduating. I had been working on Amazon. I had done a little bit of e-commerce, uh, you know, Shopify e-commerce. And one of the things that I, I realized is that, like, going back to motivation, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually like wasn't as motivated to mm-hmm. to sell on Amazon because, like, I I always like working on things that have like a greater purpose or like some sort of vision, something you know that i can see myself like really like gaining some sort something more than money something more than money right and one of the dreams i also had was to go back to my country and have businesses there and i remember i actually i took a trip to to hong kong after after college and it was specifically to go visit um factories in china Uh and i was just sitting in my room one day and I was like, man, like, you know, dream is to be being Ecuador. Like, how do I get there? And I was just like, I have to do this now. Like, if, <laughs> if, that's, if that's truly what I w- want to do, like, I have to focus on that stuff. Yeah. And I, I can't be doing all these other things on the side because, like, they're, they're going to distract me. So I was like, okay, like, let me, let me change my plan. And then I started, I did some research. I knew I wanted to do e-com because e-commerce, one, it's still Growing, growing like crazy, crazy in rate. the U.S. in the U.S. Yeah, where we have all the infrastructure, all the shipping, all the payments, mm-hmm. um, ready for that to happen. But in 
Latin America. It's not built up. Right? And uh, parts of Africa, parts of Latin America, it's it's not as built up as as our ecosystems here. So I knew that there was opportunity there. And I wanted to combine what I knew with e-commerce with um, something that was working in, in that country. So I started digging around looking for data. Mm-hmm. And I realized that electronics are one of the largest imports um, in Ecuador. And Latin America generally, but also on a global scale, like certain countries are the ones that produce electronics. Exactly. A, a large percent comes out of Shenzhen, China, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's one All of the biggest electronics. Taiwan is also another big uh, yeah. player in that space. Semiconductors will powers most electronics These in the mics world. Probably. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Any anything that has any processing to it, you need a semiconductor. Only a few countries produce these things. So that means all these other countries have to import into their country to get these products, these right? Products. And the demand still exists, although like, you know, they they might be at a lower income comparatively to another country, the demand is still there. So I realized that, like, yeah, electronics were one of the biggest imports in Latin America and Ecuador, and that's that's what I decided to to focus on. I made a bet on that, and then I just started getting the ball rolling. Um, how how is going to do that? So I started importing things, and then now I have a store, a physical store. So right now I do a, a bit a mix. I still am like ecom first, so mm-hmm. I try to. My goal is to get people to order on my website, but. Because I explained that, you know, we're still in an early stage in e-commerce. Trust isn't as strong here. So mm-hmm. I sell high-ticket items. I mm-hmm. sell the newest iPhones. Um, and people aren't just going to drop, you know, a band online without knowing where, where, where this is coming from, without ensuring that they're not going to get, one, a broken phone, a used phone, without knowing that they're going to get, like, a blocked phone. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a lot of scams happening right mm-hmm. now in Latin America. and several parts of the world where people are scamming not sending you what you order for mm. it's it's worse in in ecuador so right now in the short term we're trying to really build our client base close to the store mm-hmm. until we start scaling a little bit more into other cities and starts figuring out how how we can convince people to order high ticket um items from our store directly without having to Physical go through location through our store or without having to like call us and like ask us a ton of questions. Like we want someone to just order on the spot and we do over like overnight shipping, like one day shipping, like you order with us today and you get your stuff tomorrow. tomorrow. So mm-hmm. that's like what, what we're trying to bank on. And I mean, it's an up uphill battle right now because everyone down there is it, like e-com is growing heavily, but in low ticket items, very, very cheap things that people um, have, have um don't have a big fear of losing 10 to 20 dollars you know yeah. they have a fear of losing it but not as much as a thousand thousand to put this into context minimum wage in ecuador is 400 dollars mm-hmm. a month a month wow that's like so uh, the phone is like almost two months worth of two months more than two months because that's 800 mm-hmm. dollars. our phones cost right now our most expensive one is 1.4k so yeah yo, that's Whoa. like almost a couple months <laughs> yeah so you're doing you know, large markup on yeah the so well there's a lot of tariffs that we play we have to pay so yeah. i think the downside with importing is you have a lot of upfront costs for mm. you to import get something into the country before you even sell you it pay the you have to go through the government yeah the government wants its cut so <laughs> 
that's that's one of the the downfalls or bad things but yeah um even right if now, you do just e-commerce would they still want yeah even okay. you mm-hmm. can't you can't import um there's there's certain limits on what you can import so as an ecuadorian citizen who's only living living there in ecuador you can only like buy let's say off of amazon um a certain amount of money each each year so i think it's uh 1600 you can't spend more than 1600 on online sales wow so directly so you can't go on amazon and be like yo ship this to me to ecuador more than 1600 you can only buy one phone like that a year yeah you can only buy so there's one a phone. large market yeah to yeah really take over exactly and the other thing is that it takes a long time if you order something from the u.s like you're gonna it's gonna take like a week uh maybe two weeks depending on what it is if you're trying to order the ps5 like Good luck. Good like luck you're not you're not getting that at a good price at all. Like but, you can't even ship the PS5 like that. Like But you figured out a way to get it down there. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. And right now we're we're working on, on both ends. So right now we're building the like high ticket item, but we're trying to also get into the low ticket item value mm-hmm. as well. So right now actually I have a shipment coming in from China um that should land in the next few weeks of a phone 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 holders car yeah. car holders yeah so crazy so still in some cell phone market um but a much lower uh price it's price. an upsell ticket yeah yeah so it's not it's not necessarily yeah. an upsell but it's it sells on itself but it's just cheap so that's what we found um that is very one viral but also prone to be ordered online like people are fine with just being like, "Hey, I want this." Like, okay, like send it to me. Here's my address. Boom, we send it to them. Like, very easy. So, there's like two fronts right now that we're working on as we're building the business, and we've only had the store for a few months, so we're still like very, very early in the journey. That's awesome. Yeah. So, e-commerce is one thing that you've been really just tapping into, and like your home country has always been your dream to tap into that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So what? So what do you see next? Do you see yourself growing that? Do you see yourself like you know eventually leaving? Like what? What are your uh, yeah, goals next? Yeah. So so my goal uh, really is is to my goal has always been to be business full time. Okay. I remember I had uh, when I was like five years old, maybe seven, at the realization that. I remember I, I I started thinking about what are the highest paying jobs, and the first thing that came to mind, you know, doctor, mm-hmm. lawyer. At that point, I don't think tech was even a thing. Wow, you know, tech yeah. wasn't a thing until we got into middle school, right? Middle school, yeah. So my job didn't even exist at that point. So I, I realized that you get capped mm-hmm. in your salary, and the mm-hmm. biggest scam in entrepreneurship and just business in the world is that employees salaries are constant always constant they don't rise but your revenue and profit grows exponentially mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. if you can cap your costs as that you're paying your employees and they aren't growing at an exponential rate you every year are growing the money you're getting in more and more and more while continuing to pay your employees the same 100%. so i knew for me to be a millionaire I, there's no chance that I was, I was going to be working a job and get in there. It's possible. I mean, yeah, if you're willing to work 40 years, 30 years in that company, mm-hmm. make your way up to director, all that stuff, 20 years, you maybe do it. Um, but I, I just never, never considered this as a, something that, you know, I was working long-term on job. Mm. So right now my goal, I see e-commerce as a big opportunity. It's growing in, in Ecuador. Sandwich. However, what I would love to do, I work on this business with my sister. So me and my sister 
partner and, and work on it side by side right now she's she's newer to the business world so she's learned a lot through this experience um but right now she's at a point where she pretty much understands i'd say like 90 percent of the business okay. right so my goal is to leave her the e-commerce business once it's like scaling up and we have our our money coming in and getting uh, reinvested in a quick manner mm-hmm. uh, i really want to focus my time into technology into mm. software um into gi- digital business yeah mm-hmm. I, I don't so one of the things with e-commerce it's like it's not really a digital business it's semi-digital you're mm-hmm. still moving physical products around yep, the world right mm-hmm. and when you move something that's physical like the amount of problems that you can encounter are it's tenfold compared to a digital product right mm-hmm. you know you guys know this selling your your e-com your e-com business yep. is different than your course business right 100 percent, right <laughs> yep. so yep. You, this 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 is this is something that I, I've realized and you know, I, I told you guys my passion, something I'm really interested in is technology. Mm. You know, I know how to program. Okay. I, I know I know how machine learning works. I know I know several different things in this world that I want to apply. Um and the oh. same thing it's the same story in the developing developing world with e commerce, you know? So software is lagging mm-hmm. everywhere in the developing world. Um, they like have really like, bad. Yeah, they're not like totally clueless about software. Like, there's been some people who you know got ahead of the curve, like had some experience and built software. But a lot of the software that's used in Ecuador specifically, and my assumption is a lot of the uh, developing world, are legacy systems. So they're still using software that was built in the 90s. Mm-hmm. For example, one of for me to import products into Ecuador, I have to register my phones with the government they use a software that South Korea developed in like the early 90s and they basically got that software transformed it and put like Ecuador's name on it but it's still that the same like think about yeah. yeah but think about like old like AOL like Dang, dial of software you know how like the buttons look they look <laughs> all, that's that's how it is <laughs> so I see a, a lot of opportunity in this space and, and I, I'm already, you know, there's, you know, one of the things that I, we haven't talked about is I'm a big crypto fanatic, um, blockchain. Mm-hmm. So one of my, my goals is to begin developing blockchain technology as well. There's a lot, a lot of crazy innovative, um, ideas that are coming out of this world. We're very early. We're not even talking about investing in Bitcoin. You know, that's, that's a whole different topic. But mm-hmm. the actual technology that's powering things. You know, one of the coolest things that I, I heard or recently about or I found out is these things called uh, this network or tokens called Helium. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe people have heard it, investing Helium, da da da. But what Helium does is it basically turns Wi-Fi open source. So right now, internet, we have to get internet from you know cell phone towers or we have to get our own internet at our homes or get the wi-fi password from some store helium is just allowing people to set up their own wi-fi spots they get paid when people use the wi-fi and they build a decentralized network of wi-fi spots all over the country Mm. so it's like a a hot spot you know how minneapolis has like Wi-Fi, Minneapolis Wi-Fi, public Wi-Fi, it sucks, it sucks, yeah, imagine that, but, like, good, Good. and, like, anywhere you go in the U.S. And you'll pay for it? You can, yeah, you can pay for the Wi-Fi, and you're able to get the Wi-Fi, and at the same time, on the other end, you get rewarded for powering the Wi-Fi. 
So that's, that's just an example good. of like how decentralized networks. So like no one's going to be able to shut off that Wi-Fi because you have to literally go into everyone's house and be like, yo, give me your router that you're powering. Mm. Like you can't, it's not and like Ecuador an doesn't have that. At Ecuador all. doesn't have that. There's a lot. The U S doesn't even have that right now. Cause it's barely, it's, it's an infancy. Yeah. Um, but that's just an example of like technologies of blockchain technologies. That's the IOT revolution that we're talking about right now um, in that space. And that's that's really where where I want to make my bets on. I believe in technology um, as as a foundation of growth. So that's 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 where I got my set. I said on next um, high technology in Latin America. That's, that's what's up, man. That's super dope. So in terms of uh, your store, right? Um, right now is is a physical store but it's also you know it it, it has some perks to it because your inventory is there you know you have yeah, a sales yeah. guy there mm -hmm. um the trust is there some people could come and they just buy so right right so it's still bringing lots of sales through that yeah way, you know because it's like amazon you're pretty much de developing because you sell numerous you sell lots of different products cause right, right they don't have amazon down there right no they don't have so amazon. you're pretty much building like the amazon infrastructure down there I wouldn't say necessarily I'm building Amazon. I'm just building an e-commerce store. But I'm so I feel like people generally make a hard cutoff as like I'm e-com or I'm retail, right? Mm, and if I'm so retail, I only have one store, and I fucking and retail brick and so brick and mortar. A lot of people say brick and mortar is dead, right? Mm -hmm. However, that's not completely true. Retail brick and mortar is pretty much dead. Yeah. If you're doing retail mm -hmm. and you just have brick and mortar like you're probably like yeah, doing kinda. a lot of things wrong um so there's a lot of stores right that as COVID hit they're brick and mortar but they've been able like restaurants for example they yeah. were able to uh go online very quickly um however my from my point of view i i see like you mentioned a lot of value in brick and mortar especially for my products in yeah, Latin America. Cause because trust is yeah, the biggest thing, right? Trust is the biggest thing, but also there's a lot of different things that I get out of the the store because you know my employees there. I have like a base for for inventory. I have a place to do photos. I have a place to do marketing from. You know, there's Wi-Fi there. There's it's just like a little hub for for the operation to go on. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to keep my retail space at a minimum. Mm -hmm. I don't want a lot of retail space. Yeah, you want to grow the e yeah. I want to grow the ecom channel. However, I, I'm not afraid to use retail space as well because there's value in there however i'm not just gonna you know make a retail only industry but i'm not also gonna make an online only industry in this sector because it's it's very particular so yeah. that's that's the thing i think there's there's value in both and you know some people will tell you yeah brick and mortar is dead um that may be the case for I mean, retail in, America, in the u.s yeah, but the it's, US, it's a, much yeah, different over there because yeah. in ecuador i'm pretty sure they're used to going shopping physically yeah, all the yeah. time malls, they never yeah are, are the, the, the shopping behavior isn't there to exactly. scroll online right now people in america they're doing all their shopping online so it's normal to spend that money on an online yep. store there's mm -hmm. people the average it was crazy what was the average e-commerce spend the average family spends online every single month exactly. because it's normalized right yep. you want you see a nice t-shirt you're yep. gonna order it you right. know and, and, you, have, and you have the trust that yeah pretty much like right now i don't like i'm not really afraid of getting scammed online or buying something like i can tell when there's something it's like a drop shipping store or something yeah, like, like if i can get click on that but i generally don't be buying those products so like i i, I don't know are you guys scared of getting scammed online like i don't think that's a fear. Uh, generally nah, it's me. not a fear because mm -hmm. i'm because the thing is we're heavy into the e-commerce space so i shop online a lot just to see like what 
they're doing what's the process how fast is their shipping how could i improve well, i learn a lot from shopping online you know and i apply that to my business right mm -hmm. and that's really one of the things that helped us grow a lot because you can't just not shop online right. and just be online it, it doesn't work like that so i shop online often and i trust it you know and that's with america we kind of and i give big credits to amazon because i think amazon's the person that they gave trained, the most trust yeah they trained yeah. the human mind mm -hmm. to normalize buying online they, without yeah. worry without, without worry. worry amazon mm -hmm. actually might be the person jeff bezos probably the person that's responsible yeah. for shifting the human yeah, behavior. Yeah, eBay, eBay didn't do that. eBay, you were scared, and you're you still scared. Worried. You're still scared Cause, of getting cause scammed of the on bids. eBay. Because, yeah, the bids. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and just think, getting scammed on eBay. Like, you don't know what's going to yeah, come out of eBay. Yeah, that's and, the, and that's the bad thing that eBay didn't protect. Um, they just were just letting sellers do everything and anything. Yeah. And Amazon mm -hmm. is so strict. Right. Like, you mess, you breathe the wrong way, they might shut you down, you exactly. know, because they're so customer focused. So the scamming level is minimum. Like Amazon, no one's going to get away. You scam maybe one person, then and you're they'll shut give you down. your money back. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, they'll, and they'll pay yeah. you your they'll, money back. They'll make right? sure, yeah. So Amazon done a great job for all of us e-commerce, and I think we got to give credit when it's due mm -hmm. to where it's much easier for us to now, someone that shops on Amazon often is probably going to buy one of our products online when they see the ad. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's the good thing. And in Ecuador, it hasn't been done yet. Yeah, it hasn't. Like to some to some extent, it's growing. Definitely, the pandemic like shifted uh, consumer taste and consumer behavior. Mm -hmm. um, but nowhere, nowhere near. The infrastructure is just not set up. Like. People, there's one company that does shipping, the majority of the shipping. Mm -hmm. It's very good, so that's not our issue right now. But, like, you, like, right now, like, you can't really leave your inventory in a warehouse and have them fulfill your, your products, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of, like, this is good and bad, depends depending on how you look at it. Because from my point of view, I also see, like, a lot of e-commerce tooling that needs to be developed for, mm -hmm. for Ecuador, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of, because... Anything like basic things, for example, like payments, payments, payment processors, payments are, you, you can't use an international payment processor in Ecuador because you get a tax on that from the government for sending your money outside of the country. Mm. So there's a lot of just different tooling and different Thing products that, that exist here that we are so accustomed and like, you know, we take it for granted, to be honest, that don't exist. So from my point of view, like e-commerce is, is, you know, it's its own thing, but then the infrastructure that needs to be set up for e-commerce to really thrive, thrive is, 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 yeah. you know, is a big opportunity for, for a lot of people. Um, and you know, I hope, I hope to be involved in that space. That's why I'm, I'm saying like, you know, I, I agree with you should have a job if you don't know what you're doing mm -hmm. and you've never started, you know, you need to pay your bills. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you need but right now for me, there's just so much opportunity and so much work to be done that mm -hmm. like I just can't. I, I'm reaching the point where I'm like, okay, I have to I have to automate my income right now so yeah. that like I can leave my job. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting closer to closer to this point. I hope to to be at this point by the end of summer. That's that's my goal right now. You know, but the I'm good putting thing out is, this podcast right now so that it's hold you accountable. But check this out the though. Most, check this out, right? The good thing is you've been you gotta like your job you. You get you get paid pretty well, right? Yeah, yeah, I get and, paid well. But you're stacking. You're not like spending crazy. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I'm using part of the money I'm using to fund my business. So that's that's a big expense. That's a big expense. But I don't have a car. I mm -hmm. I I had a car here. I uh, yeah. sold it. I don't own a car. 
Um, I don't own, uh, you know, I don't really buy luxury Fancy things. Clothes. I bought one Gucci bag, <laughs> Gucci bag, but I got my signing bonus from Facebook. <laughs> I had to do it. Just it was a you horrible had to feeling. Reward yourself, horrible yeah. feeling after I bought it. <laughs> well, it's just crazy, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, don't have too many liabilities. Yeah, I don't have too many liabilities right now, and I'm trying to shift away from that. One of the big plays that I'm trying to, you know, make for myself right now, in the next few months, is to get an income-producing property. Mm. So right now, one of my biggest expenses month to month is my rent. Yeah, right. right? Um, if I'm able to get a house and rent X percent of the house out, mm-hmm. right now I'm looking at a four unit house, which is still considered a house. It's not a commercial property. Mm-hmm. Um, and automate, you know, part at least if I can automate fifty percent of my of my rent, if I can get that low. I think that I, I would have no problem paying that, um, you know, month to month as I'm working on the dream. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really the goal to to get that out of the way. But, you know, what got me to be able to make that decision is my job because, you know, houses aren't aren't cheap. Yeah, are not cheap. So, yep. you know, I was that. able to save up, which that's that's the point that you're making you know this allowing me you know it's you need money and if you don't got it you got to get it some way i'm mm-hmm. fortunate enough to have a good paying job that's giving me the money but also skills exactly. um but at the same time like you know i i if you're if your goal if your goal is to be a millionaire yeah and you have that in your mind you're dreaming about it and you see yourself becoming a millionaire in five ten years but you're thinking about working a job in five or ten years, like you can kiss your dream goodbye because like you are not going to become a millionaire in a job. In a job, absolutely. You need absolutely. to you need to leave at some point, right? Mm-hmm. So prepare yourself for that. But you you basically a job is in direct conflict with your you dream. having a business and your dream. Like you can't, Facts. it just it can't. It's mm-hmm. not doable. Like you know, think about all the companies that we know right now. Like there are very few people who who actually were doing what i'm doing yeah you know working full-time like we go like you know mark zuckerberg dropped out of college to do full-time yeah jeff bezos he left he graduated college he actually went to princeton shout out jeff bezos (laughs) (laughs) but he he left princeton i think he He finished or he didn't yeah he finished he actually so jeff bezos actually had a pretty good career outside of a college he went to an investment firm i believe he was making a lot of money yes he was making a lot of money but you know he stacked he stacked and then he left you know you you it's just like it doesn't happen where you can build a multi-billion dollar company while you have a a job job. it's not gonna happen but you need the money so you gotta start stacking right you gotta live below if you're if you're making if you're making yeah if you're making a hundred thousand a year live like you're making forty thousand a year yeah if you're making Fifty thousand a year, live like you're making fifteen thousand a year. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it's like living below your means is super. Don't important. flex. Don't flex. Don't flex. <laughs> and, uh, don't buy a car if you can't afford it. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Don't buy liabilities. Wow, that's yeah, that's super important, man. And we went deep today. We talked about a lot of stuff. Appreciate you for coming on the podcast. Um, where could the people follow you? Yeah, I mean, right now you can look me up on Instagram. Just mm-hmm. my first name, last name. Mm-hmm. That's probably the platform that I get the most um, visibility on in terms of like what I'm active. But that's actually a space that I'm trying to build up right now. My personal brand. I haven't been, you know, because I have so many things that I'm juggling. Yeah, 
I've been trying to get my personal uh, brand like all, all good. So that's that's a project that I'm coming on. Yeah, trying yeah, to get the website, for... trying to get all the content I've been making on yeah. there. But yeah, I'd say Instagram's probably the best the best place to hit me up. Yeah, we got we got we to help you awesome. with the personal brand, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Perfect, perfect. Go follow Make sure my you guy, guys, Louis. Uh, Louis Carchi on Instagram. Make sure you guys go check him out. Um, if you have any questions about Ivy League school, if you have questions about getting your dream job um, or starting a side business while working your job, my, my brother here has done it all. So make sure you guys go reach out, ask any questions. This is episode 41 of the Top Figure Podcast where we give you endless keys to open endless doors and we bring the top people to show you guys. This is Top Figure. We're out. Yes, sir. Peace, peace out. Peace out.